0: This is a Tech Briefs Media Ground podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Butler Hine, project manager of the Lunar Atmosphere and Dust Environment Explorer spacecraft, based in NASA's Ames Research Center in Moffatfield, California. Butler, thanks for being with us. Sure. Butler, can you just uh, set the stage for us? Can you talk about uh, what the LADEE, or the Lunar Atmosphere and Dust Environment Explorer spacecraft is?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a small robotic orbiter. Uh, we uh, launched on September 6th on a Minotaur 5 rocket. Uh, we're currently in phasing loops around the Earth. We're on our way to the moon. And once we get there uh, and check out our science instruments and do an optical laser comm experiment, uh, we drop down into a very low orbit and uh, do our science measurements.
0: And what instruments are on uh, the LADEE spacecraft?
1: Uh, well, we have three science instruments. One's a neutral mass spectrometer from NASA Goddard. Uh, one is an ultraviolet visible spectr- spectrometer from NASA Ames. And then the third instrument is an in-situ uh, dust detector uh, that's built by University of Colorado, LASP.
0: And you're you're testing these instruments at this point?
1: Uh, well, they haven't been activated yet. We're still in the cruise phase on the way to the moon. Um, we'll start uh, doing early checkouts of the instruments a little later in the cruise phase, but after we do our uh, capture burn to get us into lunar orbit and go into our commissioning orbit, uh, that's when the, the science instruments will be uh, be extensively checked out and prepared for their uh, science phase.
0: And so what the, what does LADEE do and why is it uh, important?
1: Well, there's a... a, a question from the uh, early surveyor Apollo days um, that uh, the astronauts saw evidence of uh, streaks or glow as the Terminator approached. And uh, there's a lot of theories about what this is. Uh, one of the theories is uh, you have elevated dust that uh, occurs uh, when the Terminator passes. And uh, this uh, this is a very interesting scientific question. It... it uh, um, Goes to the transport mechanisms around the moon, how material moves around the moon and collects in various places. So uh, the the dust aspect of LADI is to uh, is to fly through the day-night terminator uh, several times a day during the mission, and uh, and, and try to measure the uh, the dust levels and uh, characterize the dust. Um, the other thing we're doing um, is we're looking at uh, elements. Uh, atoms, molecules, various elements around the, uh, the lunar uh, atmosphere. It's actually an exosphere. It's a collisionless atmosphere. Um, it's a hard vacuum for most people on the Earth, but, uh, but it's uh, um, um, the environment right around the moon. And, uh, and so it's, it's of interest for scientific purposes uh, uh, in its own right, but it's also of interest to determine how transport mechanisms can carry material around the moon. As you recall, the previous LCROSS mission confirmed water ice at the permanently shadowed pole uh, of the moon. Um, Well, one of the questions is, how does that material get there? And uh, so we're we're trying to to help answer the questions of transport of material around the moon.
0: And how does it collect this data and and how quickly does it collect the data?
1: Well, we have, uh, in the orbit we're at, uh, when we're doing the science, uh, we orbit the moon about 13 times every terrestrial day. So during that time, we fly into and out of the terminators uh, on both sides, the light, uh, the dawn terminator and the, and the dusk terminator. And uh, at those points, and then at other points, in local midnight and local noon, uh, the instruments are activated uh, in, in various sequences uh, to, measure, to make their measurements. So the neutral mass spectrometer is actually measuring the environment right around the spacecraft, uh, trying to detect uh, uh, atoms, molecules. And then the dust detector is measuring the dust impacts as it flies as we fly through the uh, through the environment. Um, and then the ultraviolet visible spectrograph is a remote sensing instrument, so we use that to watch um, for uh, the um, absorption of uh, uh, spectrographic lines against the sun as as the sun sets uh, or rises behind the uh, uh, behind the moon.
0: Can you talk a bit about how this got into orbit in the uh, successful launch uh, on September
1: 6th? Well, we launched on a Minotaur V rocket out of Wallops, Virginia. Uh, that's a lot of firsts because uh, this is the first flight of a Minotaur V. It's a five-stage uh, derivative of a Peacekeeper ICBM. The first three stages are uh, uh, you know, uh, assets from the Air Force, which are re- repurposed for civilian use. And um, so those three stages are an ICBM, Peacekeeper ICBM, and then Orbital Sciences, under contract with the Air Force, adds a fourth stage to make it a Minotaur IV, and then in our case they added a fifth stage to make it a Minotaur V because we needed not only the capability of going into Earth orbit, but well, we, we actually needed a kick stage to get us into transliter injection trajectory. And uh, so we, we've uh, launched out of Wallops. It's one of the launch locations uh, that you can use uh, for... Um, uh, Peacekeeper missiles, and uh, uh, we launched. Uh, we wanted a, a, spite, a spot that could launch us um, eastward, uh, so that's a safe location from uh, from Wallops to uh, launch us out over the ocean. And it was a spectacular launch. It, uh, it achieved exactly the orbit we needed. Uh, in fact, it did, did not uh, give us a hot or cold insertion. It gave us a pretty much perfect insertion on September 6th, So we were really happy.
0: Now, what has been your day-to-day work with Laddie? Does it change now? Uh, what are you? Uh, how did that work?
1: Uh, yeah, we we uh, changed dramatically the uh, the work we were doing um, but before launch. Uh, it was all about the development of the spacecraft, the development of the launch vehicle, the range preparations. We spent all summer out at Wallops uh, doing uh, uh, testing of the spacecraft and integration into the uh, with the fifth stage and encapsulation into the fairing. Uh, we spin balanced it. We checked out its propulsion system, et cetera. So that's that's what we did with the spacecraft all summer. In the meantime, back at Ames, um, the mission ops was doing uh, readiness testing. They were doing rehearsals. They were doing simulations. They were getting ready to to uh, operate the spacecraft. And then after launch, all of that changes. You're no longer in development. You're actually flying the spacecraft. So uh, since since uh, Friday night, we've been very busy doing the uh, initial characterization and tests of all the subsystems on the spacecraft, uh, learning how to fly it, um, learning all the quirks that uh, you, you suspect on the ground but you never can confirm until you actually get into space. And so the ops team has been, uh, has been busy doing uh, all of that activity. We had our first uh, main engine burn yesterday. So that was an engineering test burn that we did um, to characterize the main engine uh, and, uh, and uh, make sure that we could depend on it before we, we really needed to do the burns for real.
0: Yeah, well, I'm interested too, what were some of the other quirks uh, that, you, that you noticed? Are there any others?
1: Well, uh, right after we launched, when we first woke up, uh, we noticed the reaction wheels were off. Um, and that was, uh, that was because of our fault protection system. It, it actually did its job. It, uh, it detected something it didn't, uh, didn't like and turned off the reaction wheels. Of course, when you're first waking up after a launch, uh, you know, that, that gets your attention right away. So it took us about two hours after launch uh, to, uh, to figure out the, the proper settings for the fault, fault protection system and then, and then reset the wheels, turn them on. After that, we were, <clears throat> we were operating just fine. Uh, but uh, I think it was on Monday, um, we uh, were in a thermal conditioning uh, mode prior to doing one of our test burns. And in that thermal conditioning mode, uh, we went into safe mode because uh, when the Star Tracker, we have two Star Tracker cameras on board, when the two cameras are both operating, um, it's fine, but when the sun was uh, going through the field of view of one of the Star Trackers, a, 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 an alignment offset between the two Star Trackers made the spacecraft think that it had a, uh, an anomalous rate. And, of course, fault protection is, is designed to, uh, to safe the spacecraft any time it sees something that's, uh, that's unusual. And so that was, we went into safe mode there, and we uh, discovered what the issue was with the uh, alignment offset of the cameras and uploaded a, a new uh, uh, alignment matrix to the spacecraft, which took care of that. So those are the kind of things that you, uh, you do when you first wake up and are first uh, characterizing your spacecraft.
0: And so, what are your next priorities now that uh, you've had the the successful launch? What are you What are you looking to do
1: next? Well, the next big event is uh, is on Friday, Friday the thirteenth. Uh, we're going to do a, a perigee maneuver, and that's uh, um, the way we get to the moon is not a direct trajectory. We uh, go into these elliptic orbits around the Earth, and each orbit we boost the uh, the uh, apogee until by the third orbit, we've boosted the apogee far enough where the moon swings by and captures us. And so uh, uh, we've done our our first apogee, and now coming up on Friday is our first perigee. And at that maneuver, we will do the uh, burn of the main engine and boost our our, uh, elliptic orbit up a little higher. So we do three of those before we get to the moon. Right now, we'll do those uh, elliptic orbits uh, for the next couple weeks, and then uh, starting October 6th, we'll do our lunar orbit insertion maneuvers. Uh, The the first big one where we actually capture around the moon uh, happens uh, October
0: 6th. Looking back to, I think you said it was the summer when you were building this, uh, what would you say were your biggest technical challenges?
1: Well, uh, we have a a fairly small spacecraft and, and one of the challenges is we've got a really big main engine. And uh, whenever you have a small spacecraft and a big engine, one of the things you worry about is whether you're precisely lined up on the uh, center of gravity. So one of the big activities this summer was to spin balance it. And uh, that means you you take the spacecraft dry and you put it up on the spin table and you spin it at high speeds. And so it's kind of a a nerve-wracking moment because you're you're taking your your baby and spinning it very fast. Mm And, uh, and then we balance it. We do precise balancing of it to get the, uh, the thruster alignment right over the CG. And then, uh, then you fill it with fuel, which is also very exciting because you're, you're actually putting uh, fuel and oxidizer in the tanks. And, uh, and then we spin it again because we want to make sure that the uh, uh, thrust alignment is along the center of gravity with, it, with, it, with fuel, full fuel tanks. So those are kind of the, the most exciting moments this summer where uh, we're spinning and then fueling the spacecraft.
0: as we sort of wrap up, uh, how will this work help guide future missions, you think?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, uh, One thing I didn't mention is we have a fourth instrument on board. We have a laser communications experiment. Uh, This is a a very promising technology that's going to be important for NASA in the future. We have a a laser comm on board the spacecraft that will talk to the Earth and transmit data at uh, roughly 622 megabits per second from the moon. Well, that's that's uh, kind of the heart of a, uh, an interplanetary trunk line where instead of radio communications, you can use optical communications and get a whole lot of bandwidth back. Uh, that's an important technology, and that'll be used, uh, if, that, if that plays out and is successful, that, that'll be used for uh, lots of missions in the future. As far as the science that we're getting with our science instruments, um, any type of basic science uh, to understand the environment of the bodies you visit will help future spacecraft. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, our dust inve- investigation will do is, is help characterize the dust environment of the moon so that when we send other spacecraft to the moon, we're, we're more aware of uh, any problems or issues and, uh, and can design around them.
0: Great. And my, my last question, I tend to ask this to everybody that I interview. Uh, what would you say is your favorite part of the job in working with Laddie?
1: Well, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. I mean, I have a phenomenal team, and, uh, and working with these people is, has been, a, a, you know, just a real joy, a real pleasure. Uh, this is a really hard-working group, and I, uh, I really enjoy every moment working with these folks.
0: Well, Dr. Hein, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk with us here at NASA Tech Brief.
1: All right. Happy to see you, sir.